Hello, and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. won't be long. I'll try to be pretty quick so that we're not here all night, but I do feel like that God's got something great to say to us here tonight. So <clears throat> if you're following along in your uh, study guide that you've got there, we'll just start off by, by reading the first part here. So we're focusing on demonology right now, and this is our fourth lesson. So <clears throat> the Christian's authority over devils, that authority, wow. I may not get past the first little part here. I'm excited for what God's getting ready to do. All right, let's start. Uh, Let's pray first, sorry. If y'all don't care, let's open up in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Father, I just pray, Father, if, if there's one here that doesn't know you, Father, that they would come to know you tonight, Father. And Father, if there's one here that's struggling with some things, Father, Father, I pray that you would just show them that you have given them the authority over that situation, Father, and Father, that they would walk in your authority, Father, and be able to just cast it away, Father, to never come back into their lives, Father. And Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're about to do here tonight, Father, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so man was originally created to be the steward and caretaker of planet Earth. How many knew that? I like to get everybody involved, so if you've not been around me yet, you'll know that I like to get you to raise your hand. So, a little bit of exercise tonight. God set him so and gave him dominion over the earth. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. That's Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So the definition of dominion is to rule, to tread down, to subjugate, to bring under control by conquest. Okay? Subdue is to force, to keep under, or to bring into bondage. So here's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. When Adam should have ruled over Satan, he instead turned his authority over to Satan. Did everybody get that? When it was set up, Adam was supposed to rule over Satan. Did you get that? But instead... Adam gave his authority over to Satan instead of ruling over him. So Adam fell and Satan gained power to rule over man and bring them into bondage. I want to give you an example of this. Think about an addiction. See, an addiction should not have authority 
over you. But you should have authority over an addiction. Did you get that? We just read that, right? An addiction should not have authority over you, but you should have authority over addiction. So I want to give you an example. No addict ever woke up one morning and said, you know what? I just want to become an alcoholic. No addict ever woke up and said, you know what? I just want to be hooked on drugs. No addict ever woke up and said, you know what? I just want to lust for the rest of my life. Does anybody know of any addicts that ever woke up and said that? You don't, do you? No addict ever woke up and said that they wanted to be addicted to something, right? But guess what happened? The enemy came in and offered them something one time. When they were at a weak moment, when they were at a low point in their life, the enemy slid in and offered them something and said, hey, this will make you feel better. And guess what? It only takes one time. Just as Adam sinned, he fell. It only took that one scenario for man to fall. The same thing with addiction. It only took that one time to get hooked on something and then become an addict. And instead of us then being in rule over and in authority over that situation or that scenario, we have now allowed that scenario and the enemy to be in authority over us. Which is what then takes an addict into an addiction that they can no longer have control over because they no longer have that control. They gave that control over to the enemy to have that authority over their lives. Does everybody understand that? We're just going somewhere with this, okay? But here's what's great. Jesus, that ought to get you all excited now. Jesus redeemed man from bondage to the devil. And Jesus purchased us back. He also purchased back our authority for us. Yes, we may have fallen. Yes, we may have committed that one thing that then became an addiction and we allowed that to have authority over us. But I've come to tell you tonight that yes, that may have had authority over you, but there is one that came down to this earth and died and paid for your sins so that you could have that authority back from the enemy. He came and paid the ultimate price so that you could have that authority back. And guess what you got to do? All you got to do is surrender your life to him. Wow. That's powerful, church. To think that somebody came in and stole something from you, but Jesus said no. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let that stay gone. I'm going to come and pay the price for you. That shows true love, church. That shows us that he loved us so much that he was willing to give it all so that we could have the authority back from the enemy. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. That's Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. See, we are not to fear the devil or demon spirits. We are to confront them when they manifest and deal with them. We are authorized to cast them out. How many knows you have the authority? Come on now, nobody? How many knows you have the authority? I told y'all we're going to have a little exercise tonight. Jesus came and gave you the authority back. Do I need to go back and reteach that? Then he called his 12 disciples together and came and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Luke 9.1 And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Woo! That's power, church. Are y'all not getting a hold of this? That's power. Even the devils are subject to the name of Jesus. Something that we set back and act like that we fear and set back and think that it's the scariest thing ever. As soon as the name of Jesus is spoken, the devils and the enemies have to flee. All because there is power and authority in the name. Of Jesus. Subject. Subject. To submit to someone's control. This is a military term, and you are the superior officer. Woo! How many knew they were superior officers? You've been given authority and power. Man, that's awesome. So in the military, when a superior officer tells people what to do, do they have to beg them? Nope. Do they have to plead to them and say, please, please, do this one thing I'm telling you to do? No. They don't, do they? As soon as a superior officer speaks a command, what does everybody do? They get the job done, don't they? They don't hold back. They get it done because they know that if they do not do what they're supposed to do, there is going to be great consequences. Am I correct? I want you all to hear this. So here's what I want to ask you. How many in this room has ever been in a leadership role? Raise your hands. You've been in a position where someone maybe an owner of a company or maybe a board of a company or something has given you authority and power to be able to make decisions, right? In your leadership role, you were given that authority and that power to be able to make a decision. So whenever you went to your people that you were in authority over and you asked them or you told them, hey, I would like to get this assignment done. Right? 
you given, you've given an assignment. Who's given an assignment? When you came back, what did you think? You expected that assignment to be done, right? Am I correct? When you came back, you wanted that assignment to be done because if it wasn't, what was going to happen? There was going to be consequences. Maybe that person's not fit for this job. Maybe I need to find somebody else. There's going to be consequences for that scenario. You've given a task. You've told them what you want done. And you expect that to be done. Right? See, you were in authority over those people. So here's what I want to ask you. In your workplace, you gladly took that authority and began to make decisions and began to give assignments. Began to tell people what you want done. Why is it that you've been given authority by Jesus and you don't go and do what he's allowed you to do with that authority? I want that to soak in for a minute. See, people on earth can give us authority over a situation or give us authority to be able to go do something. And we'll proudly go do it. But when Jesus gives us authority, it's like we want to hold back. It's like we want to act like that we don't even have that power or that authority in our lives. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're facing something tough in your life. Maybe something rough is going on in your life right now. And you feel like that it's huge and it's overwhelming and, and great fear has came upon you, worried about this one situation. And the enemy begins to play with your mind and begins to tell you that you're going to be defeated, that it's going to take you down. But here's what I want you to understand. Is Jesus gave you the authority over that situation. So why are we listening to the lies of the enemy? Can I tell you? Here's an example of what's going on. Something bad has happened in your life or something's going on that's got you a little bit worried. And instead of entering into God's presence, still giving Him praise, still giving Him worship, still telling Him, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to love you. Instead of doing that, we hold back and in moments where we could be up front worshiping God and praising God and saying, God, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to put my focus on you. Instead of doing that, we allow the enemy to keep us right where we're at and rob us of the power and the authority that Jesus gave us. Do you know what power and authority comes through worship 
and praise to be able to say, you know what, enemy? No matter what you try to spring on me, I'm going to praise God. No matter how far you try to take this situation on me, I'm going to praise God. It's when we step out and surrender to God and say, God, I don't care about the rest of the stuff. All I'm focused on is you. That shows the great power and authority that Jesus has given us when we don't care and we step out anyway. And we go and do what we know we should be doing. And that's praising God. Even through the hard times, I want to praise God. In the good times, I'm going to praise Him. And in the bad times, I'm going to praise Him. You want to know why? Because Jesus gave us the authority to overcome any situation that the enemy tries to bring upon us. And if we will walk in that authority, if we will walk in that power, we will see great moves of God in our lives again. The early church cast out devils. The book of Acts records that the early church also engaged in casting out devils. So I want to read you multiple things here. The power of God was so strong on Peter, the proximity to his shadow caused demons to come out of people. Acts 5, number 15. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Jesus gave him authority and power so much that just his shadow casting on someone cast out demons. Wow. Is that not power, church? Guess what? You have that same power. That ought to get you excited. All right, next one. Philip held a revival meeting in the town of Samaria and cast many unclean spirits out of the possessed. Acts 8, 5, if you're following along. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was a great joy in that city. How many wants to see a revival? Woo! That ought to get you excited. If we want revival, we better be ready to experience this. But we've got to be prepared. You know how we get prepared? By surrendering to God and allowing Him to have His way. And when we will allow Him to have His way, He will drive out all 
all of the unclean. All of it. And that's when true revival can come. Next one. Paul cursed a sorcerer with blindness because he tried to use sorcery to prevent a government official from being born again. So let's go to Acts 13, verse 6. Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bargeas, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas and the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O oh, oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil... Sorry, I've got to flip my screen here. You enemy of all righteousness, you will not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Next one. Paul cast the devil out of the fortune teller. Acts 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. That's powerful, church. We'll read the last one here. Non-believers attempted to cast devils out, but without faith in the name of Jesus, they failed miserably. Acts 19. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of Jesus, the, the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva and a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling... Sorry, i got to move one more time. In Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those 
who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all and they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So here's what I want to ask you. I want to challenge you to something. We've just read all these different encounters of Jesus giving people authority to cast out unclean spirits, to cast out demons, to see sick healed. We've read all these encounters. How many knows, and I've said this a million times and I'll say it again a million times, the Bible tells us Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many knows that? How many knows that if he did it through them, he wants to also do it through you? So here's what I want to ask you tonight. Where's your faith? Where's your authority? Because see, if you truly had faith, knowing that Jesus wanted to use you to do the same exact thing that he used these guys for, then you would walk in the authority and the power that he has given you. But we as the church have failed to do that. So I ask you, where's your faith? Church, if we want to see a true revival, it's time that you and I stop trusting our own abilities. And it's time that we start to trust in His will. Because if we will do that, we will be able to walk in the authority and the power that He has given you and I. How many knows the devil's still active? He's active. He's wreaking havoc all he can, right? See, times have not changed. Devils are still on assignment to provoke, harass, buffet, torment, hinder, sicken, and possess mankind today. And the Bible teaches us how to handle all of these situations. How many knows that? Y'all getting weak on me. James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Whew. That sounds like power to me, don't you? See, James 4, 7 teaches us to submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He will actually run because of the power and the authority that Jesus has given you. To resist means to set one's self against. We must be against everything that is evil and demonic. You want to know how you're able to resist the devil? Is when you're walking closer to God. If you will grow your relationship 
with God to where you get so close, to where you draw so close to God and He draws you so much closer to Him. By doing that, when the devil tries to run at you or come at you with something, that's when that God will give you the power and the authority to be able to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get away from me right now. But if we are not trying to walk that close walk with God, if we're not trying to have that intimate walk with God, when the devil comes running, we're more apt to fall, ain't we? So that's why it's so important that we draw as close as we possibly can to God to be able to resist the devil when he comes running at us. Resist steadfast. 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, 1 Peter 5, 9 adds the word steadfast to our resistance. That means we will have to hold our own against him. He will flee, but be prepared for a return visit. How many of us has ever been provoked by the devil or the devil's tried to tempt you with something? Come on, you can be honest. The devil will try, and then God will give you the strength to rebuke him, right? And then what happens? Does he just stay gone forever? No, he's going to try harder. He's going to come at you with even more temptation, which is why we have to be close to God because when he comes at you with more temptation, it's that much harder to be able to say no, right? But if we're walking close to God, what's that mean? It'll be that much easier to say no. So when the devil comes, just know that he's going to come back again. So we can't give up. We've got to keep walking. Stand against Ephesians 6.11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6.11 teaches us to stand against the wiles or strategies of the devil. This means to sustain the authority. Verse 13 adds the word withstand. This is the same word resist from the previous two points. Quenching thoughts. Ephesians 6.16 Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ephesians 6.16 tells us that above all we are to use the shield of faith to quench the enemy's fiery darts. These are the thoughts that attack our mind that don't line up with the Bible. We are to extinguish these thoughts as soon as they come to us. We've all had thoughts that we're like, whoa, where did that come from, right? Just know that's from the enemy. If it's not good, if it doesn't glorify God, it's from the enemy. And we need to instantly, instantly put those thoughts out. Don't let them take place in your mind. Because then they will begin to take place in your heart and you'll begin to act upon them. 
So once those thoughts come in, you need to squash it instantly. Be done with it. Forgiveness. Ooh. 2 Corinthians 2.10 Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. How many's ever wronged somebody? We've all done it. Don't raise your hand, you're a liar. Every one of us has wronged somebody, right? All of us. When we wronged them, did we just say, I forget it? No, we wanted their forgiveness, didn't we? So we asked them for their forgiveness, expecting them to forgive us. Can I tell you something? We've all wronged Jesus. Right? Every single one of us has wronged him. And we've asked him to forgive us, knowing that our wrongs were bad, right? Really bad. Some of them were like, whoa, I can't believe somebody could forgive me from that. Am I correct? And what did Jesus do when we asked him to forgive us? He forgave us, right? So why is it Whenever somebody wrongs us, even if it's something small, we act like we can't forget about it. We act like we can't give forgiveness. Well, they parked in my parking spot. Well, they sat in my seat. That's my seat. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's why you're laughing. See, we expect everyone to forgive us. But when it comes time for us to forgive, we think we don't have to do it. And can I tell you something? That's a lie from the enemy. That's a way the devil can creep into your mind and into your life and make you harbor unforgiveness to the point that maybe it prevents you from being able to receive forgiveness from Jesus. Tithing. Now I know why Pastor wanted me to talk about all this. <laughs> Malachi 3.10 Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3, 10 and 11 says that honoring God with his holy tithe allows God to rebuke the devourer for our sakes and causes us to prosper Tithing is so important, church. I could go all day about it, but you already know it. Tithing is so important. And if you're not tithing, you need to be tithing. Because God asks us of that. It's all His anyway. He allows us to keep 90% of it. That's awesome. 
If I give you, well, I'm not going to go into all that. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. All right. In the lives of others, cast out. To drive out with the notion of violence. When someone wants free, you can cast the devil out of them. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. Satan is used to being cast out and he knows to go away. See, we have that power and that authority to cast demons out of others, right? Blind them, to fasten with chains. Some people don't want free from demon power. So all you can do is Bind the spirit that is operating in them. So let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? And then... 16:19 And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And 18:18 18, 18, Assuredly I say to you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The last thing or the next to the last thing loose them to loose something that is bound. And the very last page, pray for them. Pray for those oppressed by devils and in sin. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60 verse 1, we hope you arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you.